Hi, and welcome back to the Living Hope College Ministry Podcast. My name is Hunter Sewell, and I'm the college minister here at Living Hope. Today is February 18th, and I'm super thankful you've decided to listen in today. Today's podcast is going to be structured just a little bit differently. I've got a few announcements, and then I'm going to be giving a recap of some of our teaching time from this past Wednesday. I'm going to finish with a quick interview with my good friend Tyler Whitmer. So first for the announcements. This Wednesday at 820 in the chapel, we're going to have the privilege of being able to hear from Dr. Thomas Weekly. He's going to be teaching us on what it looks like to have biblical and God-honoring relationships with our significant others. Dr. Weekly and his wife, Lori, have been ministering to college students for over 30 years, um, and they've actually mentored some of the couples that I respect a great deal. So I'm excited to have him come and share with us. Whether you're single, whether you're engaged, or whether you're in a dating relationship, I want to encourage you to come and be challenged from the Word. Also, this week we're officially launching Table Talk. This is going to replace our old college and young adult ABF during the 930 hour on Sunday morning. Table Talk is going to serve as a time for college students to kind of get together and have a good time of fellowship and be centered on discussion about biblical topics. We did kind of a soft launch for it this week, and I think it was a really good success. So we're going to up the ante next week, and we're going to have a full-blown breakfast buffet. Bacon, eggs, biscuits, gravy, cinnamon rolls, and all the works. So I want to encourage you to come out at 930, and if nothing else, just come out and have some breakfast with us. But right now we have students all over the place at Living Hope that aren't necessarily connected to the college ministry on Sunday mornings. And so my hope is that this would turn into the rally point for students to get connected to the college ministry on Sunday. So I want to encourage you to come hang out with us, grab a bite to eat, get some coffee, sit down and have a good conversation, then we can all go worship together. And I know that I'm asking you to sacrifice one more hour of your sleep time, but it is just one hour, so I think you'll find that it's worth your time. So we're launching that this upcoming Sunday, February 24th at 9.30 in the Fellowship Hall, and I hope that you'll come be a part of it. This past Wednesday, we finished our study of Jesus and his interactions at the Festival of Booths. So Jesus has been teaching in the temple, and it stirred up a lot of controversy regarding his identity as the Son of God. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus claims to be the light of the world, and then he follows that up in verse 24 by saying that unless we believe that he is the Messiah, then we will die in our sins. And these are two huge, huge claims. We dove pretty hard into those statements last week, but we didn't necessarily make it to verse 30. And in verse 30, John writes and he says that many believed in him. So there were a lot of people who rightly responded to Jesus' teachings, and they believed in him. But what we know from our previous experiences and our previous studies is that some of the people who believed in him had a very shallow and a superficial level of faith. These guys were more interested in Jesus for what he could do rather than for who he was. And so right off the heels of that verse, Jesus challenges these new believers by saying that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And so the idea of abiding in Jesus is not necessarily a new concept to us. We've seen this in John 6. We're going to see it again in John 15. What Jesus means by abiding in him is that we are to remain fixed on him, to be in his presence and to remain there. So this is a physical act, right? So we abide in Christ as we spend time studying scripture. We communicate with God in prayer. And as we connect to the body of Christ, the church, this is a mental act. We meditate on the words of Christ. We look for ways that God's working in and through the people that we're encountering. This is also an emotional act. So we're passionate and we're moved about the things that Jesus is passionate about. So this is what it looks like to abide in Christ to be completely engulfed in his presence. But there's kind of a dual meaning here to abiding in the word. On one hand, we must abide in the word, the word being Jesus. And when we trust Christ for our salvation, we're joined with Christ. And the theological term for this is union. We are made one with Christ. And it's through his obedience, his death on the cross, and his resurrection that we who were once far off because of our sins have been brought near because of Christ's blood and we've been unified with him. And scripture tells us that it's by faith in Christ that we receive the gift of salvation. And what scripture tells us is that this is an eternal thing. It's an if we have been unified with Christ, we will always be unified with him. 
There's an assurance that we can have because of God's faithfulness to keep his promises. However, just because we're unified with him doesn't mean that our communion with him is sweet. And so this is what I mean in the second sense of abiding in the word. The disciples of Christ abide in the words of Christ. To abide in Christ, we must first know him. And if we obey scripture, if we meditate on it, if we're living our lives in a way that reflects that, we will have a sweet communion with Christ. But if we ignore him, if we disobey him, and we don't spend time with him, then we're going to kind of have a sour communion with Christ, and it often results in our own discipline. So the emphasis with abiding is not necessarily on the ability to do so, but on the permanence and steadfastness of the action. It's kind of like my relationship with Holly. If I spend time with Holly, if I look for ways to communicate with Holly that I love her, if I treat her with respect and these kinds of things, then our communion will be sweet. But if I'm not nice to Holly, if I don't communicate well with her, if I don't spend time with her, if I don't respect her, then our communion is going to be sour. In fact, she jokes that she would cut me for that, and that's honestly what I would deserve. But just because my communion isn't good doesn't mean that our union and marriage is void. If I truly love Holly, then I won't treat her poorly. I'm going to want to do everything that I can to have a sweet communion with her so the actions that I take and the things that I do will be a result of that. And so it is with Christ. If we truly love him, if we are truly his disciples, we will abide in him, both in his word and in him. And Jesus tells us that we can know whether or not we are his disciples by measuring ourselves to that standard. Are we abiding in Christ? And in this discussion, Jesus also talks about the freedom that he can give. In verse 34 of chapter 8, Jesus says that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And last time I checked, there aren't any of us who don't sin. And not only were we slaves to sin, but we love to sin. In John chapter 3, the apostle John writes, The people love darkness rather than the light. So the idea here is that we love darkness, we love to sin. And as sinners, we are slaves to sin. But what's really unique in this passage is that Jesus says that slaves don't have the full rights of sonship. Slaves are temporary, but sons are forever. So we have a problem here. We're trapped in our slavery to sin, and everything that we are and everything that we do is tainted by that. In Romans 6, Paul writes that the wages that we've earned because of our sin and the fruit of our labor produces death. And by death, Paul means death, physical and spiritual death. It's a separation from God, the temporary status in the house as a slave. But in Christ, God has freed us from our slavery to sin. Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection has bought our freedom. So when we trust Christ for salvation, we're liberated from that bondage to sin. And not only that, but we're adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. And as sons and daughters in the family, we're given the rights of sonship or daughtership, which means that we are permanently in the family. And the great irony of all of this is that we now have an opportunity to resubmit ourselves to God as slaves of righteousness. Slaves to sin are freed and made sons and daughters by grace through faith in Christ. But these sons and daughters have the privilege of submitting themselves back to God as slaves of righteousness. No longer do we have to walk in sin. No longer do we eat the fruit of death. But we're given a gift that we can never earn, which is eternal life in Christ, and that enough is reason to praise God. So I've got my good friend Tyler Whitmer here with me today, and I wanted to get his advice on how to make the most of our time in college as a believer. Tyler's the former college pastor here at Living Hope, and I've learned a lot from him, so I think you guys might as well. So Tyler, if you could, would you give me three pieces of advice to college students about how to be faithful followers of Christ in college? Well, first off, I just really want to thank my brother Hunter here for allowing me on this off opportunity that I'm in town to to join the podcast and I would first say that what a blessing it is that he is the one leading this college ministry and college students anyone listening this brother is wise beyond his years and I would definitely tune in to what he has to say about the Lord's word and so his question to me was 
three pieces of advice that I would give to every college student who is seeking to follow after Jesus in their college years. And I'm going to go in reverse order here. So my third point of advice would be to mentor and disciple others. That while you are in college, you have such a unique opportunity to be pouring into the lives of those around you. You have more time than you Hear me when I say this. You will ha- you have more time than you would ever have again. And so take that op- as an opportunity to be pouring into mentoring people that are younger than you or older than you, just pouring yourself into relationship centered and intentional around following Jesus. I was thinking of a verse to kind of illustrate this point. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That's what we're doing here, is we have the opportunity to move from milk to meat, to get those basic principles of the oracles of God and to move on into the constant practice of distinguishing discernment between what is good and what is evil. And that feeds right into my second point. So first point would be to disciple and mentor others. Do that and you will see yourself continue to follow after Jesus day by day. Second, I would say, pursue holiness. You will not regret when you graduate pursuing holiness and discipline when you were in college. If I could go back and tell 18, 19, 20, even 21-year-old Tyler anything, it's that college is a very enjoyable season of life, but I should have been cultivating many more disciplines that were aimed at me growing closer to Jesus. That discipline is such an important aspect of our Christian lives. It is not by works that we are saved, but it is from our salvation that we continue to pursue and follow after Jesus day by day. So first, mentor and disciple others. Two, pursue holiness. When I say pursue holiness, I mean Yes, in your dating relationships, if you're going on dates, all of those things, pursue holiness. You will not regret that. And the last and most important piece of advice that I could give to college students that are seeking to follow after Jesus, this should come to no surprise to anyone that has ever heard me teach or preach, but it would be that you should pursue while you are in college church membership that you should be invested and investing in a local church body. And when I say local church body, I, I love campus ministries. I respect campus ministries enormously. I love them. However, very rarely in your post-college life will you ever have the opportunity to be surrounded by only your peers again. And so I would encourage any believer that is in college, serve in a campus ministry, absolutely, 100%, develop those leadership skills, but also be getting invested in by a local church body. Commit yourself there. Grow and seek membership opportunities. Serve that church. 
we have a really bad tendency, especially as young believers, to sit on the outside and critique heavily. And I would say that the moment that you commit yourself to a church, the conversation stops being, well, what does this church offer me? And the conversation starts to become, what gifts do I have to offer this church? And so I would encourage any college-age believer, invest in a church body and allow that church body to invest in you. You need older and wiser brothers and sisters pouring into you, modeling what it looks like to be a part of a Christian family, modeling what it looks like to be a part of the body of Christ and to serve it. I'm telling you, it will benefit you so greatly when you leave college and you have been pouring into a college ministry. Not only that, but it will benefit you so greatly when you leave college to have been spending time in a local body. The question will not be, which church should I join? It, it will end up being wherever you move. It will be, I, I know that I'm going to join a church I know the type of church that I'm looking for. I know the gifts because they've been tested in my prior church body experience, and I'm ready to hit the ground running and serving wherever the Lord would place me. So those would be my top three points of advice. If anyone disagrees, they can at me on Twitter. Man, Tyler, that's really good. I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of those things. Hopefully that's not the first time you've heard some of those things from people at Living Hope to get connected to a local church to pursue holiness and to engage in evangelism and discipleship. So Tyler, thanks for sharing with us. If you guys have any questions or you just want to reach out to Tyler and get to pick his brain on some things, you can email him at tywhitmer at gmail.com and he'd be happy to answer any of your questions. This is the Living Hope College Ministry Podcast. Thank you all for listening and I hope to see you soon.